you substitute complaints with gratitude. So you start your mornings every day taking a bite of my gratitude sandwich. That's another tool in the book, right? Mm. Uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer says five things. I'm an overachiever. I say eight. And you know why I like eight. So eight specific things every single morning. The first thing you do when you wake up, you don't look at each other and kiss. You actually sit up. Don't wake up the other person. Take some breaths. Do it with me now. Take a breath through your nose. And release. Soft shoulder, soft elbow, soft knees. Another deep breath in. And releasing the stories and the drama. And one last deep breath in, connecting with me through chi, eternal energy, the breath of life. Now in the exhale, open your eyes, coming back gently into this thing called life. And notice when you took a breath, I did not go, (coughs) you took a breath, I took a breath. There's more than enough breath to go around. That's the abundance that is our birthright in life. And if you start the day like that with the breath, mm-hmm. okay, if you want to meditate a little longer, 15 minutes is the most I tell people to meditate because you got life to live. Then eight specific things that you are grateful for. So do you ever envy those so-called hashtag couples goals? Well, you know, when you first fall in love with someone, you get butterflies every time you see them. You lust them. You're infatuated with them. You want to be with them all the time, like best friends. Do you want that to last forever? Together, let's discover what it takes to say a massive yes to all the above. Through our topical discussions, our world-renowned guests that will help guide the way to a happier, sexier, and fun-loving relationship. We're not doctors or therapists. We are just two normal individuals who have had many ups and downs in our 23-year relationship. And counting. We've amassed our own wisdom over the years, but we're still learning, just like you. Nina and I believe you can have it all and still live your best lives, as long as you're willingly and consistently discover each other in new ways. And that right there is what the show is all about. We're Nina. And Roger. And this, this is The, the Animal Show. show. Yeah, baby. That was a quiet one, but hey, I'm excited anyways. Every <laughs> thing is open. You've got restaurants open. You've got hair salons, nail salons, Botox salons, <laughs> gyms and restaurants. Everything is open. Honey, I think those were always open, the Botox salons. <laughs> were they? No, I don't think you can go in them. No, I think they were coming yeah, to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, they're coming to you. Be under the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I'm extremely happy and excited for those people that have those businesses that are able to get back to work and, you know, crush those goals. In the meantime, my name is Roger, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Nina. Yeah, baby. And we are the Head Over Heels Show. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back for another week. Yes, and thank you so much for coming back and listening to us week after week and after week and after week helping us with our ratings. And you know what? I, I said this every time, but it really does 
make a huge difference in this world if you're doing something good and kind to others. I don't care what you, anyone says or thinks. It comes back to you hundredfold once you do something good. Mm. And by you subscribing or even rating this show or writing a 20-second review, you are doing something good because this show is helping people. Share it to people that you think might need some of the advice that we're getting from our guests or even the stuff that we're saying. That's right. So for that, we say thank you. We appreciate you and we love you and keep coming. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it is called the Head of the Hill Show. Yeah. It's an adult show, not children. Yeah. So. Well, you see, when we came up with the name, I thought it was, I'm getting something instead of the shoes. Head over heels. <laughs> Well, I think the audio is if you give me shoes, you get hit. Yeah. Well, there you go. He's got a lot of shoes upstairs. So I, got, I, need, I need more. I need more. I love heels, right? So there you go. Give me heels. You got a lot more heads. Fuck <laughs> it. Head over heels. Show. So uh, we had an amazing week away, which we're not going to talk too much about here because we wanted to kind of do that for our next solo episode. Which really? But I'm like so excited. I want to just say so many things about it. <laughs> we, haven't been, we haven't been away away in over a year outside the country. We still haven't. We did a little local trip, but it was a beautiful beach house that made it feel like we were outside the country. Yeah, we were as if we were in the Caribbean or in California or somewhere south. Yeah. It was gorgeous all week, except we one met. day we got... Can I say this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get a tornado <laughs> over us. <laughs> tornado passed us. A big one too. It's not funny, but it's, it was because it, we're like, what? This tornado just passed us. And uh, I mean, luckily no one died, but there's a lot of people who were injured about 30 minutes away from where we were. I could go on and on. Yeah. I guess we met we a lot of people. We had a lot of experiences that we want to share with you guys. I even took a little tumble that could have ruined my week, but it didn't. Yeah, so we have a lot of suspense and surprises for you for next week. Stay tuned and listen to the episode because it's going to be a fun and a bit of sexy one, too. Ooh, really? Okay. Well, we got to tell them. We did have we kids did. there. Yeah. A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking four kids in total. So, baby girl, let's talk a little bit about our, our guest, the very energetic, loud. When I say loud, I mean... She's got books. She's got radio shows. She's got podcasts. She's TV got show. TV. She's do movies. Interviewing. All kinds of stuff. So she's very, very loud. And, and she's she also very bubbly and happy. And, you know, she's basically the cheerleader for your happiness. There you go. <laughs> she goes by the AKA, the Asian Oprah. That's right. Dr. Marissa Pei. She is funny as hell and sweet. And like I said, she Bubbly. just, yeah, makes you very happy. She's a huge in the Asian community as well as the, you know, in the U.S. Best-selling author. She's a celebrity host of a show called Take My Advice. I'm not using it. I mean, just that alone is hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, if you want to be uplifted and feel better about life in general, then this show is for you. Listen all the way to the end. Because Dr. Marissa has few surprises up her sleeve, and you may just benefit from this show. And her bubbly energy is very contagious. So That's let's right. welcome the Asian Oprah, Dr. Marissa. Welcome to the Head of Heels show. We are so excited to have you on. I'm so delighted to be here with you. You you are as gorgeous as your photos. So thank yeah. you. You look pretty nice too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just delighted. Any chance I get to 
operate in my happy 88 mission, 8 million, actually it's now 88 million more happy people in the next eight years is good. I love that. And I keep hearing you saying that in all of your videos and all of your interviews. First of all, why don't you tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and then you can tell us about the 88 uh, percent rule. Yeah, percent rule that you have. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I am Dr. Marissa. I'm known as the Asian Oprah because I was introduced to Oprah as the Asian Oprah by Michael Bernard Beckwith, founder of Agape International Spiritual Center and really good friends with Oprah. So I I am not naming myself. The interaction was kind of fun because she looked at me after the introduction, looked down, looked back at my face and said, nice pants. And I'll tell you, it took everything for me not to say, do you want them? Like, you know, you, you get a pair of pants. Like something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a beautiful interaction. And I'm an organizational psychologist. So I actually have a PhD in organizational psychology by education, which just means that I study and I teach and I consult in areas where business meets humans. So things like power, politics, miscommunication, conflict, things that I know you know nothing about and your listeners don't either, but all that interaction causes for some interesting things to happen at work. So I get to go in and do things like leadership development or valuing diversity or conflict resolution so that there's more joy, less stress at work. So that led me to being a professor. I'm a retired professor. I taught at UCLA and the Anderson School for MBA program for a number of years, Boston University. And then one of my students actually came up to me after class and said, your talents are being wasted. (laughs) You really need to be on camera instead of behind a lectern. And my father just happens to be a producer of us. You know, he has specials on ABC and Fox and, and all that. And so that's what started my TV commentary, where I got to talk about why people do weird things at work or totally out of control people on ABC and Discovery. And then from there, I had this voice say to me, radio at 4.30 in the morning one day back in 2012. And so I answered the call and started uh, my own show called Take My Advice. I'm not using it. Actually, I love that. Balance, Dr. Marissa, now in its ninth year, it won the 2016 Podcast of the Year Top 10 in Health Award. Today, in fact, as we're taping this show, is my 454th consecutive week on the air. And it's my last week on the air as a weekly primetime show. And my guest today is the legendary Hank Garrett, if you're too young, but uh, where are you, Car 54? And he was also in one of the most famous fight scenes with Robert Redford in Three Days in the Condor. He's my guest today. And I'm retiring from once a week because (laughs) yours truly just got asked to do the morning show for my CNBC, NBC News radio channel. So every morning... As of yesterday, or no, wait, as of today, from eight to nine, I'm your morning host on KCAA. So that's Monday through Friday. So yeah, I have so much time and I just, I say yes. And then I realize what I've just done. But anyway, so something had to give. So the weekly show's going to move into the daily show. That's basically my, uh, how people know me. And then I got a 
that same voice told me when I lost a $200,000 consulting project, uh, it's my hashtag discipline when bad things happen, when shiitake happens, is to stop my feet, get really pissed, and then say, I can't wait to see what good comes out of this. So the voice said, write. I said, I don't have time to write. And the voice said, you do now. Ha ha. And so I sat down (laughs) and I wrote uh, for one week. And the first chapter is out of loneliness and the hope. The last chapter is out of control and happiness. And the uh, week after I wrote the book, sorry, the chapters, I got an email from a West Coast publisher. We follow motivational speakers on LinkedIn. Are you writing anything? Drop the mic. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I sent them the chapters and I had a, three contracts by the end of the week. So that's how this, so my my latest thing is being the best-selling author of Eight Ways to Happiness from wherever you are. And I did that to answer the question, the second question, which is why 88% happiness? Why 88 million more people? That's what this book had me begin to do. That's my purpose is to help people be happy 88% of the time. Why eight? Well, I know you thought I was Swedish, but I'm actually Chinese. And eight is a lucky number in Chinese. It's a homonym. It's, for, it's a homonym for good fortune. So it's every human being's birthright to be 88% happy. Why not 100% happy? Because that's just crazy. You need contrast. If you're 100% happy, you're dead. Right. I don't want to see dead people walking. So 88 is you know, most of the time, right. that's your birthright is most of the time you're happy. Most of the time you're fabulous. 12% of the time you're a bit of a brat, but 88%, it's an attainable goal that helps people be happy. Mm-hmm. What an accomplishment, eh? What an accomplishment, Dr. Martha. Amazing, amazing. I'm just in awe of hearing you talk about all of this. And I love, love, love the concept of 88 percent of the time being happy because like you said you cannot be 100 happy you you have to be dead and it's the same thing with eating clean i always say because we're very big in you know fitness and eating clean and taking care of yourself i'm and sorry i always say 80 percent of the time you can't be 100 percent of the time That's right. because you'll be sick of yourself eating clean all the time so yeah absolutely i can still relate to and you that's when you fall you fall off the, the wagon or whatever. yeah and if you fall you you get back on i allow myself 12 percent of the time to be human. And the reason why also I use 88% is because many of us are unhappy because we are perfectionists. And if we're perfectionists, we're always looking at what's wrong. What's wrong with myself? What I said, shouldn't have said this, shouldn't have done that. And if we spend our entire lives shitting on ourselves and being pissed at ourselves, that's not happy. So perfectionism to me is a dis-ease in life. So perfectionists are also so well known for saying, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I have this much in the bank. And then that number changes. I'll be happy when I have this house. And then that house is not good enough. And you need another house and the car and and the, the insignificant, I mean, significant other. And then the kids. And then you don't want the kids. And you want the marriage and you don't want them. So everything keeps changing. So you're never happy. So the dis-ease from perfectionism is one of the things that keeps us from claiming our birthright to happiness. 
I love that. I love the fact that you say it's our birthright to be 88% of the time happy. And it's true. It is. <laughs> it is. And, there's, and, and there's a lot of people who don't know that. You know, with, uh, hashtag BC19, the time before COVID, that's what I call it. Uh, one out of four Americans were on, are on, now it's even more, antidepressants and anti-anxiety. So that means they're not happy, right? They're taking something to feel better. So one out of four. And as my organizational consulting does, I go into companies where the culture is, I hate my job. Just tell me what to do. I live for my weekends. Just give me the check. And they're miserable. Okay. So that was what it was like BC 19 before COVID. So right now when people are like, oh, when is this going to be over? I can't wait to go back to normal. I'm like, whoa, Nelly, whoever Nelly is. Whoa, Nelly, because I don't want to go back to that normal. I do not want people to go back into jobs that they hate. You know, they live for their weekends. Hello, two days out of seven. You really want that to be your life. And so I just finished and released my first short film. (laughs) Just a little bit of a recovering overachiever myself. Amanda Gorman just really inspired me to start writing some prose. And I created a short film called The New PPP, Post-Pandemic possibilities. Mm. So in it, I ask a series of questions before we go back to more normal, can we figure out how to go back into a culture that does not have only one way to happiness, which was the American dream or happily ever after Cinderella, Snow White, where (laughs) happiness, right, is, you know, is after you get married or after you go to school, get good grades, get into great university, get a great job, get promoted, get married, get kids, get things, retire, die with the most toys that your relatives squabble over. That BS, that bullshit talking, that belief system that most of us grew up in. Yeah. And, and we just like, don't question it. Right. What do you want to be something successful so I can make a lot of money so I can be happy. Right. That's bullshit talking yeah. because look at Kate Spade, look at Anthony Bourdain, look at Robin Williams. They had everything that they were supposed to have. Were they happy? I would say not. So that's the question. Are you 88% happy? And I can't answer that question for you, but if you're on anti-anxiety or anti-any medication, now not only are you not happy, you're on medication, now you have side effects. So I am so absolutely into the number one tool that we all have that we forgot And if you wake up in the morning and do this, you forgot your number one tool because that is the C word. It's not compromise, not collaboration. It's choice. We have abdicated our choice. Ooh, I'm getting shivers. Abdicated our choice to choose what to focus on. Which is our phone. For our listeners that didn't hear that, didn't see that. Sorry, our listeners, if you pick up your phone, it is our phone that we pick up early, the first thing in the morning. So that's you the choice let, that we make. You let the stories that someone else is making mm. hijack your attention. 
Yeah. It's true. You know, you know, I call it the new old quicksand because it's not news, it's old. Something's already happened. Yeah. And you get stuck in that quicksand and an hour goes by because you keep clicking and you're like, well, what happened? Is it Christmas already? Like you're just caught up in this mesmerizing, you know, media is um, uh, the weapon of mass distraction. You know, people blame media. It's like, hello, nobody put your gun to your head to turn your TV on first thing in the morning or your radio first thing, unless you're listening to me. Or, (laughs) you know, know, scroll through your your social media. That is you, boo. That's your choice. You chose to do that. But you're absolutely right, Dr. Marissa, because I know for a fact, the minute when I wake up and I grab my phone, my morning is screwed up. My morning is a mess. So you compare yourself to other people. Yes. You, you, I mean, we're in Toronto here and we're completely locked down. So when I pick up my phone, I see Florida and Texas and everywhere else in the U.S. partying it up like crazy, like nothing happened. You feel depressed. You feel Absolutely. your anxieties go up the, the roof. So yeah. we have made a rule that we don't touch our phone for the first couple of hours because we yeah. really want to focus on ourselves, on our children, on our relationship, because yeah. that's screwing up a lot of people's happiness. I even plug it in a different room. Sometimes I can't trust myself. Yeah, yeah no, that's <laughs> true. That's true. I don't touch it until till I'm on the toilet, and then I'm like an hour and a half. Of, uh, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good for you. No, you were saying before BC19, there's one out of four people that were depressed on medication. Do you know the stats now? I heard it's up like 13 or 14%. So, you know, that it's at least it's gotten, I would say double. That's my guess. So basically you're saying that one of us is hopped up on pills right now. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Who is it? It's not me. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. The, The amount of people that I hear that are, you know, hospitalized for depression, for having, he, like you said, you were in real estate. He was doing a showing last month at a huge 40-story condo. And he literally saw someone throw themselves at a 40th floor balcony, like in front of him. A woman, too. This is real. This is happening. Like, it's a lot of people are unhappy. And I don't know if you know, like Raja said, we've been in lockdown for almost a year in Toronto. Yeah, my, my mom is there. Is my she? Mom, yeah, she's at Richfield Manor. I was born in Waterloo, Ontario. I don't know wow. if you know yeah, I'm actually a former Canadian. Okay. Yeah. Former, you still are. <laughs> I, well, I had to give it up. When yeah. I, got the, I became American the first group after 9-11. So at that time, I had to give it up. So oh, wow. I, and I'm a very proud American. I'm a little concerned about America right now because we are not the United States at all. But we're not talking about that. We're yeah. talking about happiness mm-hmm. and we're talking about relationships. That's right. so, so, yeah, that's your show. So, sorry. I like the 80% of happiness. So, I mean, uh, yeah. being happy, 88% happier. Now, what would be the, like, some steps yeah. to help somebody get there? Okay. First one, get the book. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, get the, no get the book. What's the book called again? The book. What is it called again? Called Eight Ways to Happiness from Wherever You Are. Perfect. So, if you look, There's no pictures. Well, there's one picture, but there's a lot of exercises. So I did not write this book as a psychologist telling you how to be happy. I wrote this book as one of the seven out of 10 of us who've had childhood trauma. 
So here's the interesting thing that a lot of the unhappiness for people stems from past pain, which in traditional scope, we say there's something wrong with you, right? You need to get fixed. When I found out that it was seven out of 10 of us as a psychologist and my honorable moniker, Oprah says it's as high as eight out of 10. And there's psychologists now who say it's as high as 94%. It begs the question, If we're the forking majority, why do we think there's something wrong with us? We're the majority. So if we're the majority, then is it possible that past pain and childhood trauma has a role in developing ourselves in our lives? Is it possible that it's not what happened to us, but what happened for us? And that, my friends, is the premise of happiness. It's called hashtag unconditional happiness, not unconditional love. Is it possible, I will say yes, to be happy despite the conditions that you grew up with, that you're having now, or that you're afraid of in the future? So if I can figure out that I can be happy because it's my birthright, but I have to actually muscle up and do some clean workouts on, on focusing in on how can I choose happiness in spite of or because of my past pain. So the exercises in the book are there to help you and it works work for me. That's why I put it in the book that you can claim your birthright. If you do every exercise in the book, I promise, oof, I'm getting chills again. I promise you will never hate yourself the same way again. I love yeah. that. I love that. Eight ways to happiness. Yeah. What is an example of one of the exercises in the book? Uh, one of them is the insulting game. So the insulting game says as perfectionists, especially if you've had people call you names when you were a kid. Yeah. I was called fat, ugly, and clumsy for 18 years. I have that record in my head. No matter how many people tell me I'm beautiful, I still have that record in my head. For many years, I tried to bury all of that. And whatever you do not deal with will come back and deal with you. If you think about garbage and the more you repress it and the more you squish it down with that pet panel, yeah. it turns to liquid and then the liquid turns to gas and then the gas leaks out. And guess what? You can't even smell your own gas, but everybody around you can. So right. if you're in your midlife opportunity and you're walking down the hall and people are ducking into the bathroom to avoid you, chances are you're leaking gas. So if you're leaking gas, that means there's something you did not deal with that is dealing with you now. So as an executive coach, I get to go in organizations with these high C-suite execs who've been successful, overachievers their entire life, all of a sudden midlife, they break down, start crying, they don't know why, they uh, can't sleep, they are angry, they're difficult bosses. And so I get to come in and explain that you don't, you know, you're not Humpty Dumpty. You're not going to break in a, a million pieces. Every one of us has this black hole in front of us that we're afraid to go in because if we go in, we think we're never going to come out. That's what past pain is. And everybody's had it. 
maybe recent past, maybe past past. But I, the book helps you with a flashlight, go in there and dig down and find all those bad messages, the insults, and deal with that and release the power of the pus. Ooh, I've never said that before. Uh, release all that infection, right? All the shiitake, dig it out. All of those ugliness, all the things that happen, all the horrible things that you've repressed. And then find the beautiful, one-of-a-kind, wonderful seed that you are. Just like every blade of grass is different. Every grain of sand is different. Every drop of water is different. We're all different, beautiful, one-of-a-kind, wonderful. You find the seed. And then guess what? You take that shiitake you just dug out, all the crap that happened, and you put it back in as fertilizer. Because all of that stuff helped shape you into the magnificence that you are if you can see it. That's the work. you got to see it. So the insulting game allows us to finally put it all out there. You know, uh, perfectionists have this habit of 99 compliments, one insult. What do we do? We go to the insult over and over. We don't even see the So I put all the insults in one place. So the next time my critic, my internal critic, whose name is Rose, guess what my mom's name is, my internal critic, and I talk to her every day and I love her and she loves me. So just, you know, the chapter four is out of hatred into forgiveness. I was a typical child of trauma who lived decades of my life. I won't say how many because I'm ageless, but I lived decades of my life blaming my mom for my unhappiness. You know, well, she shouldn't have said that and she shouldn't have done that. And moms are supposed to think you're the best. And and it's like, you know what? She did the best that she could. She really did. I choose to believe not that she deserves to be forgiven, but I choose that for me. I love myself enough to forgive her. That's in chapter four. So I take all the insults and any time that voice comes up, and my internal critic is way more powerful than my mom ever was because I collected all the insults. When that voice starts going off, you know what? You're going to bomb on this daily show. You know, people can take you in weekly doses, but you know, come on, you're going to be out every morning. People are going to be like, Oh, remember that person that just emailed you and and called you an idiot. So as soon as that starts, I get my book with the insulting game page I open it up and I go, oh, hold on, hold on. What are you saying that I'm going to bomb? Let's see, is that down here already? Yeah, yeah. Number eight, you're going to bomb. You said that already. So thank you very much. If you have a new insult, I'm happy to hear it. But you already said that. And last time I saw, I did not bomb. I just got like 18 messages in my inbox about how helpful I was. So have a seat. You gotta be exhausted. You've been yelling at me for how many years? Sit down, put your seatbelt on. I got this. I'm driving our life car now. You don't have to worry about it. I've got this. Now that is a discipline of taking back the power that you have as a balanced, centered person. Every one of us have a balance-centered person, but we don't remember. We don't act like it. We let the critic drive our life car over a cliff. The woman who jumped, 
had a critic who had her jump off. She, she just did a temporary solution for, uh, uh, sorry, uh, a forever, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yes. Okay. Now, at the same time, I'm not afraid of death. You know, death is just another dimension. And, and I think that if she was in so much pain that she could not handle this particular dash between birth and death, then I had, I'm not in a place to judge her. Now, she did leave a lot of people very unhappy, so she's going to have to deal with that. But, you know, it, this is a joyride, folks. This is a thing called life. You either choose to see life as an opportunity or you choose to see life as suck. Life does not suck. That's no, my, that's not. My it does not suck. But it can suck 12% of the time. So, and it should. And it should. This is contrast. We need contrast. Can you imagine if the only stuff that you had in front of you was all good? There was just no challenges at all. That'd be boring. Some of you are like, yeah, right. No, no, no. Give me boring. No, no, no. What's that movie where they're, they don't have to walk and they just sit and, and the food's brought to them and they're all like, they have no bones left and it's an animated movie. Yeah, I think so. I, that's what I was going to say. It's a cartoon, isn't it? Yeah, I don't yeah know it's an animated movie. It's like, that's what life would be like. That's boring. I actually said this in my morning show this morning and I know I'm going to hear about it. But one of the problems right now in the States is there's a lot of gaps in the people. There's a lot of jobs that need people but there's a lot of people who don't want that job because it's minimum wage and they're making more in unemployment. And so I put the moose on the table, which is my Canadian version of talking about the elephant in the room and saying that, you know, y'all can, can see this as a time to chill out. But at the same time, you're a human being and human beings have the urge to create. We have the urge to do and be something of meaning. That's our birthright. So at some point, you're going to feel either guilty or bored out of your mind not doing anything. So if you're using the money, I mean, if you're taking the money, use it for something meaningful, Yeah. right? You know, how much entertainment can you binge? I mean, really, at the end of the day, how does that edify your life? So it's here too, Dr. Marissa. It's here though too. I see a lot of people everywhere complain, oh, we're in the lockdown. We have no jobs. Yes, you're taking the money from the government, but do something else with it. You know, yeah. do something. Don't don't just sit on your butt and complain because yeah. we're just gonna get just complain, complain. You're not gonna, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, they the, now now you can just flash my 21 day fast for complaining. <laughs> I have that written down right here. Click. The 21 day challenging both of you. I'm challenging both of you to that. So 21 consecutive days without complaining, you are each other's judge, right? You can, you can state a fact. You can say it's hot out today. That's not a complaint. It's hot out today. (laughs) That's a complaint. You know, we're totally going to do this. Huh? We're totally going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Register on my drmercer.life yeah. and put $21 down to my nonprofit. Right. We'll and then it. that's your day one. If you go through the whole day complaining, it's okay. Day one is baseline. So you count how many complaints you do on your baseline. Day two, 
you you follow the 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 um, the tool. There's a tool every day. Day two's tool is um, never miss an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. So day two, you might want not want to talk at all because you're likely to complain, right? On day two, day three, you substitute complaints with gratitude. So you start your mornings every day taking a bite of my gratitude sandwich. That's another tool in the book, right? Mm. Uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer says five things. I'm an overachiever. I say eight. And you know why I like eight. So eight specific things every single morning. The first thing you do when you wake up, you don't look at each other and kiss. You actually sit up. Don't wake up the other person. Take some breaths. Do it with me now. Take a breath through your nose and release. (sighs) Soft shoulders, soft elbows, soft knees. Another deep breath in. And releasing all the stories and the drama. And one last deep breath in. Connecting with me through chi, eternal energy, the breath of life. Now in the exhale, open your eyes, coming back gently into this thing called life. And notice when you took a breath, I did not go, (laughs) you took a breath, I took a breath. There's more than enough breath to go around. That's the abundance that is our birthright in life. And if you start the day like that with the breath, Mm -hmm. okay, if you want to meditate a little longer, 15 minutes is the most I tell people to meditate because you got life to live. Then eight specific things that you are grateful for. And we'll play a little game right now. We'll do one. We'll go to eight each one. You can't say friends and family too general. I'm grateful that I get to play with Canadian fun, cute couple this morning on the <laughs> air. That's my one. Okay, go, ladies first. Oh, well, I'm grateful to have the Asian opera on the show today. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Three. I am grateful that she's not going to complain for 21 days. Well, this I'm gonna follow up on this. Uh, Number four, I'm so grateful for the taste of that first morning coffee that I love so much. And my daughter even bring it to me because she's visiting for the holidays. That's four, five. Oh, um, I'm grateful that I booked a beach vacation for my family that I can't wait to go to. (laughs) Six. Uh, I'm grateful for the amazing weather we're having finally. Yeah. Seven. I'm so grateful that I get to um, interview Hank Garrett this afternoon. That's and last but not least, eight. I'm very grateful that this show is doing really well and helping a lot of couples find their happiness. And that's it. That took us uh, less than two minutes. So that's what you do. Now, that's the top of the gratitude sandwich. That's the top bun. The day is the middle. The end of the day, this is the ticket to a foundation of not only happiness, but a good night's sleep. The bottom is the foundation piece. What is the foundation of happiness? There's an African-American saying that says, when there is no enemy within, no enemy outside can hurt you. Mm-hmm. So one of the interesting things about perfectionists is we are so hard on ourselves. Raise your hand if you say, I'm my own worst critic. We are. We are. I, I, I'm no harder on anybody else than I am myself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
I look at all the criticisms and I forget about my compliments. Yeah. So you just qualified as a perfectionist. So if you're a perfectionist, you rob yourself of your happiness because you can't approve of yourself. Mm. So I have two words for you. Stop it. (laughs) If you cannot approve of yourself, how the fork do you expect other people to approve of you? Absolutely. And and I found that like growing up, you know, when you're young, you're a teenager in your twenties, you know, I'm pushing 50 now. So I was able to, see now where my insecurities were back then that stopped me from doing the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. So yeah. the insecurities, I mean, like, like you said, the things that I'm complaining yeah. about myself about, or I won't be, a, no one's going to like it or whatever, you know? Right. right. And so, it's a habit. It's that self critic that absolutely ruins your own chance of happiness because no matter how good you look, you know, because I had those messages, And I believed those messages as a kid. So my coping device was to overachieve. My coping device was to be the first to do this, the youngest to do that. That You know, you tell me I can't do it. I'm going to do it. My favorite was getting people to say, is there anything you don't do? Right. I love when people say that. And I would go, well, I don't clean and I don't camp and I don't (laughs) unless I make a lot of reservations and ha ha ha. And then they would leave and the voice would say, you're so full of it. You're not all that. If they really knew who you were, they would not say that. So no matter what happened out there, I hated myself. I felt like a piece of shiitake because that was my default. Right. Like you were saying, you grew up with that, that internal constant. And that's my critic. Mm. All of us have that. Even if you were born in the three out of 10 healthy households, right? I do a lot of career days with kids because I love warping young minds. Age five or six, when I do a career day and I say, do you have a voice in your head that tells you you're not smart? No, They're like, huh? What are you talking about? You know, they're happy and doing this. Age 10, do you have a little voice that tells you you're not that pretty as her? No. Right? So even if you come from a healthy home, I don't know why it's this, it's BS. It's a belief system that we're not good enough that gets instilled and then grows. So no matter who you are, you have that voice. I only met one person who says she doesn't have that voice. I, I, I interviewed her and I'm like, wow, I hope I can get to that point. I'm not going to name names. But anyways, <laughs> what was the one thing that got you to believe that that was not true? Because you've had that voice for a long time. If you were to name one thing that really got you thinking, say, screw that. I'm not that. I'm not the person that everybody said I am. What was it? I got tired of beating myself up. I really did. I mean, that was like, you know, where's your bottom? It's when you stop digging. I'll tell you the moment where I discovered the, the more important moment, I believe, is one that hopefully in COVID, as bad as COVID was, people started waking up to this. I'll never forget. And this goes back to the relationship. I was married at the time. I'm happily divorced. That's why I told you, are you sure you want me on the show? Because I'm going to say I'm happily divorced. We have a lot of divorce on the show too, don't worry. (laughs) I did the work. He stayed at home and took care of the kids because he didn't like to work. I picked a man who didn't like to work. So I paid for it. 
a lot of money. But anyways, I walked in the room after a long multi-travel. I was exhausted. I walked in the TV room and he did not even look up. Like I'd been gone a week. Didn't even look up from the TV. I was so pissed. I stomped out, stomped up the stairs, dove under the covers, crying. Again, why doesn't he look at me? Why doesn't he pay attention to me? Why doesn't he admire me? Why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't he value me? Why doesn't he? And then all of a sudden, the clouds parted. The voice came down and said, Marissa, do you value your opinion? Do you think about what you like? Do you see yourself? Do you attend to yourself? Do yeah. you value you and what you've done? And, you, and I'm like, holy shiitake. I just realized that I am the boss of me and I can no longer blame my mom. I can no longer blame my husband now for making me unhappy. And there's the ticket. If you are the <laughs> many, many millions and billions who blame other people because you are unhappy because of something they didn't do or did do, then you are still living conditional happiness. If you really want to be happy, yeah. you got to take responsibility for your own forking happiness. And you got it. The buck stops right over here. <laughs> no, he said it really well. He said uh, in one of the interviews, I heard him saying he, for the longest time, he thought him and Jada had to make each other happy. It wasn't until he realized that you cannot make another person happy until you're happy yourself. And then if you're both happy, you come together and you have a happy relationship. You can count on the other person to make you happy. It's just not going to happen. He, he learned that from me, by the way. He did? So, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I've only interviewed John Travolta and Halle Berry. I have not in interviewed. Although my guest was just on a Red Table Talk. But I love their show. I love their yes. put the moose on the table. But here's the deal. You almost can't blame us for thinking all this because we are raised uh, gospel according to Snow White, gospel according to Cinderella, Cinderella. and Jerry Maguire. You complete me, yeah. right? <laughs> Looking for love in all the right. We're not whole unless we have a soulmate, mm -hmm. and that BS belief system continues to keep us so forking unhappy because we don't believe that we're good enough on our own. Mm. Now that my friends, you know, look at me, there is no happily ever after <laughs> there is, you know, you have 50% and 50% to hundred percent without that 50% you're half. That's a fail grade yeah. folks. But if you're 88%, right, yeah. you're whole and you have 88%. Guess what? If you come together and vibrate at that level, you're way more than a whole, right? Absolutely. But you've got to be 88%. You have to know. Okay, so this is when I do relationship coaching myself. I know it's kind of weird as happily divorced, but 
the name of my show is Take My Advice. I'm not using it. So I do that coaching. My number one question is, are you a match to what you want? You want all of these things, but can you say that you are that 88% of the time? Because if you can't say that, you have no right asking for that. That's the number one question. The number two question is, are you 80% happy with that person? You notice how I dropped the 8%. We're lowering the bar just a bit because relationships are a little more tricky than individual relationship with self, right? Two people, right? Are you 80% happy with that person? Oh, yes. Yes, I am. Yes, 80%. But this one thing just drives me crazy. I go, (laughs) sweetheart, you're not at 80%. That one thing is your 80%. And if you can't make that 20%, then let your people go. Because if you're with someone that you're so unhappy with who they are as they are, can you imagine how miserable they are? So it's not you deserve better. It's they deserve better. (laughs) I'm a little tough love when it comes to people that come to me complaining about their relationships, because that's a signal for me. Let the buck stops right over here. Let's look at yourself for a second. Are you happy with yourself? Are you using them as an excuse to be unhappy? I can relate to that. I'm the same way. When someone asks me about their relationship, I'm like, well, can you outweigh your pros and cons? I mean, this amount of time and they're bad only a little bit of time. Can you live with that? Can you work with that? Well, yes, it's complaining. Well, is that 80% or 20%? Like I am the same way. I'm like, you got to outweigh your pros and cons and see what works for you. And, you know, what can you live with? And you, you said it before, just like the insults. You can have 40 pros and three cons and you're going to be fixated on those cons. That's your choice. Then, then don't be together. It's you that has to focus on the hate. That's your job. So, you know, and, and there's so many, I, I've got a book. I'm sorry. I, you know, I have a book, but chapter five is out of heartbreak into love. So all the ways in which we choose heartbreak One is called the pregnancy model of relationships. You know, you have three trimesters and we all put ourselves in the best possible light in the first trimester. And that's the one where, you know, oh, we talk for hours. It's like we knew each other. And, you know, when you're shy, Don Miguel Ruiz called, who I got to interview as a friend, uh, the the author of The Four Agreements, must read book. Um, you know, when you put yourself, he has a book called The Mastery of Love. That's my Bible for relationships. He And he says, you know, if you put your fruit out in the marketplace, you're not going to put your bad end out. You're going to put the best, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the not overripe part, right? So everybody in the first trimester sees the best in the other. And they also make promises that they can't possibly keep because they don't really know the person. But in that first, you know, all the glow and everything great and aren't they cute and look at the way that they leave their clothes in the middle of the room isn't that cute that's (laughs) that's the first trimester second trimester is when you know things start to swell and comfortable and sickness and the bloating and 
that's the reality of who you are. You're getting to know the other side. Right. There's something wrong with that person. If you're sitting there going, oh, they don't do that anymore. They used to say this and then they used to say that and now they don't do that. It's like, hello, they're just showing you the other side to balance out the you know beautiful side. The third trimester, and if people could understand this pregnancy model of relationships, we wouldn't have so much hating going on. Because what you do is, if it doesn't work out in the second trimester, it's like, it's their fault. It's not their fault. It's just the normal progression of getting to know people. Mm-hmm. The third trimester, you make a decision. Do I, do I, is this a lease with an option to buy? Okay, it's going pretty good. Can I live? Is it 80% okay? If it's 80% okay, let's just, you know, I'm a law of attraction student. Let's see how it goes. We're having a good time. Let's, you know, let's meet back in a year and do a little assessment. Am I 80% happy? Yes, then let's let's do another year, at least with the option to buy. So that model of relationships is so much more healthy than Cinderella and Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Screw that for us. I love that analogy. I love, love, love. I'm going to actually start using the pregnancy analogy because it's exactly, it's, it's spot on. You know what I mean? It's yeah, exactly you got, you got the three trimesters and you use all those three, but there's also a fourth that if you implement that in the marriage, it'll succeed as well. And that's, you can't get pregnant without the sex. <laughs> <laughs> he just x-rated my pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> I x-rated your pregnancy. He's a man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a man what do you expect <laughs> yeah, that's true that's true <laughs> that's what they think with right <laughs> yeah, yeah that <laughs> I love that no that was that was incredible I love I love everything you just said to us how can people find you Dr. Marissa easy ways to google me because I am all over our intro is going to be 45 minutes just trying to introduce you <laughs> <laughs> of all the things you've done <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I juice my life because I don't know where we came from for sure. I don't know where we're going to for sure, but for sure, I know I got this time. There's no do-over on yesterday. There's no do-over on this morning. It's now, 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 now. And I want to make sure that every moment I have in life, I, I've really experienced everything I can. So that's why I do everything I do, which also makes for complete, like, what? But it's fun. It's all good. So drmarissa.life and all of your listeners who come to the site today, whenever you're listening, and put down your show, put head over heels, then you'll get a free uh, happiness tip sheet. If you buy my audio book or a signed book of Eight Ways to Happiness, I will give you Asian Over Giveaway, my children's book. So Mommy With Her Feelings is my children's book that my kids did all of the, that scared. (laughs) They did all of the illustrations. That's amazing. That's frustrating. That's frustrating. Uh, They did all of this when they were five and seven. And so it's tied to my nonprofit. So, but I'll give it to you. It's $25. I'll give you that for free and a copy of the film, the new PPP, because I, I I love your listener. I love your show. I love the energy that you both have. I've had Thank a you. blast. So that's one thing that I wanted to offer. You can help my 501c, which helps children, teens, and young adults who temporarily have forgotten their birthright to happiness. And I temporarily forgot my birthright to happiness. And there was a, a teacher, a math teacher of mine, 
who I'm still in contact with, JJ Bristow. And he looked, and if you're a kid or if you're a parent, get your kid right now and look in the camera because I'm going to, hopefully this is an audio visual show, right? Or this is just uh, audio. Audio for now. We might, we might. Oh, okay. As well. Okay. But anyways, pretend you're looking in my eyes. And <laughs> I want you to know that you are loving, lovable, and loved. You are wrapped in a warm blanket of worthiness and you can have anything and be anything your heart and mind desires. And that's my message to all children. Wherever I go to speak, I always go to school because he did that for me. When I was in grade 10, he knew things were not good. And he kept me after class and looked in my eyes and told me, you can do anything your heart and mind desires. So that is my nonprofit. If you support that by shopping on Amazon, I know you do go to Smile Amazon, just put Eight Ways to Happiness, and then Amazon will donate uh, to that. My show, you can get everywhere. <laughs> iHeartRadio, TuneIn, iTunes, uh, Tiki Live, Amazon Audible. Just put Get Balance with Dr. Marissa. I'm on Instagram as Doc Balance. I even have a TikTok. Don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> we just do that. <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, you name it, I'm there. Just, you know, wherever you can, like me, give me the finger, not this finger. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because unfortunately numbers matter right now. But, you know, honestly, I don't really care about the numbers. I care that I'm establishing my purpose, which is the happy 88 mission. I want people to be happy, not because it's the moral thing to do or the right thing to do. It just working feels better. And if most of us, 88% of us are 88% feeling good, think of what this world will be like. I agree. That's how we get to world peace. That's why I always say, and I'm going to make you do this too. I'm going to tape it right now since this is not going to be on vision. Are you ready? This is the end of my show. This is Dr. Marissa broadcasting live. I'm on the hot seat of the Head Over Heels show, my new friend couple out of Toronto. So we're going to make them do the peace in, peace out, out. world peace, world peace peace through inner peace. Inner peace. Yeah. So that's how it's going to happen. We're not going to get to world peace unless we have inner peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. You are gorgeous. Like I said at the beginning of the show, when you first came on, I said to Rogers, wow, she's really gorgeous in person. So you are gorgeous. Thank you. And I loved every second of this. Thank you. And I want our listeners to, at the very least, I mean, if they go to your website and order the book, do whatever they want. But at the very least, I think they should all try this 21-day challenge. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Sign up for the 21-day challenge and let's see what happens. You never know. It might. Yeah. Well, the the people I've now, I think we have 11,000 official fasters who's done this since 2011. There is a warning label. So I should give you the warning label that you'll smile more, laugh more, have better relationships and have better sex. So, (laughs) right. That, That was an actual quote from someone on the fast. So I'm not making that shit up. Shiitake. Well, we're definitely doing it. Definitely doing it. Absolutely. Okay. Let's see how many people join us. Yeah. Join. You can actually do a a couples challenge. You can challenge other couples to see how they last or, you know, men versus women. It's absolutely going to do that. We're going to do actually a challenge before this show airs a week prior to see who's going to be able to handle the challenge and and do it with us. (laughs) Absolutely.
Beautiful. Thank you so much. It was amazing. So much fun. I got a bigger smile on my face before we started. Yes. All right. Keep making people happy. We love you. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star rating on whichever platform you're tuning in from. It means the world to us to have your support on our show in this little mini way. <laughs> you can also stalk us on Instagram at Head Over Heels Show for more juicy stuff. If you have any questions, send them via email at us at hohshow.com or DM us on socials. Thank you for having us between your ears. And as always, we, we wish, wish you what we, what we have. We have.